CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We're doing another one of these breaking news special editions of the podcast today because in case you were under a rock, you know there's been just an avalanche of news uh, this week, pretty much all centering around this emerging scandal with uh, President Trump and Ukraine and Rudy Giuliani and all of this. So what we want to do is uh, there's even been a lot of new news even this morning, so we want to kind of catch up on the key details, catch you catch you up on the key details and sort of knock around where we think this is going and, and where we're going to get into it. So I'm here with my my co-hosts, Kate and David, and we are joined again by Josh Kovensky. So uh, Josh, let me just kind of throw this to you. What has happened today? And we are, and just for our listeners, we're, we're recording this around 1 p.m., a little after 1 p.m. Right. On, on, uh, Got a new date. Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Thursday. Okay. Thursday yeah. So what's this? Where are we, Josh? Um, so two big things happened this morning. One is that um, the House Intelligence Committee released a mostly unredacted version of the original whistleblower complaint filed on August twelfth. It's the uh, it's what sparked this whole thing. Um, and then also the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, testified before the House. Um, and so what was? Yeah. Let me let me ask you this because I I was in some meetings, so I wasn't actually able to see a lot of that testimony. What was? What were the key takeaways from that testimony? And he is the acting director of national intelligence, the yes, head of the whole U.S. intelligence community. Yeah, and I mean, he's a longtime Navy intel guy. He uh, he gave a really bizarre performance. I mean, he didn't really go to the substance of the complaint itself, but more to how it was handled, um, you know, the fact that the White House uh, asserted executive privilege over it. Um, you know, his own personal kind of feelings of integrity uh, or whether or not those were compromised. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, th- that's basically what they spent around three hours this morning. He so made, kind of a he bit made of a, a James Comey kind of a little bit. He made a, a big bit, point. Yeah. He made a big point of saying, I'm not partisan. I'm not political. Right. You know, I think he's trying to keep himself a little bit out of the whole mess that right. has been unfolding yeah. around him. Okay. But if I heard one more lawmaker apologize from the bottom of his heart about what he's been put through and how his honor has been questioned. Like, oh my God, he's fine. It's was a few hours. Was that all Republicans or was that on Democrats yeah, mostly. too? Okay, well, um, yeah. Both of them were falling over themselves to be like, we know how honorable you are, you know, but Republicans were like, can't believe you're being forced to sit through this spectacle. It's like a few hours on his Thursday morning. He's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there is, uh, what is, uh, the uh, guy I know on, on, on Twitter who, who's, uh, works at I think uh, one of the military service colleges, you know, made this point that we do have, and this this is funny. This is for for you youngs here. It wasn't quite like this twenty thirty years ago, where and 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 maybe some of the shift has been salutary, but where you do have it now, where if someone has served in the military, it, it, it's just sort of like you're awesome. I'm sure you didn't do anything wrong. And generally you're awesome. And thank you for all, you know, 
people in the military do uh, dangerous stuff. Uh, you it's, don't make a lot of money. It's still the institution with the highest public trust, right? right? Right, right, right. But there is this kind of like extreme genuflection that is that is unhealthy. I th- yeah, it's really, it sounds it's like really, there was a lot of that. It's really sickening, I find. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty, too, too fine a point on it. But yeah, and he, I mean, also really kind of leaned into that from the start. Um, his opening remarks, he, just, he didn't talk about how his own military service, but also that of everybody in his family. It was very, like, really you know, leading to that. But I mean, I think in terms of the substance of what mm-hmm. was discussed. It's almost like you want to do those, uh, you know, this is an Arby's or what are we here to talk yeah, about? Yeah, right, right. right. Um, but yeah, so I mean, in terms of what was discussed, you did walk away with the impression that he was in a legitimately difficult point, a place, which is that... Um, you know, the, the whistleblowing law for the intelligence community was more designed to, like, root out defense contracting corruption in, like, the black budget and stuff like that, and not the president um, <laughs> leaning on a foreign leader to manufacture, like, damaging political information about his opponent. And as Kate wrote earlier today, I mean, he made that point over and over again, right, that the situation is unprecedented, the complaint is unprecedented, and him kind of being there, having to account for it, it's all... Kind right. Of new yeah, I mean, even when someone, one of the Democrats, asked him, "Is your um, were your actions in this unprecedented? Like, has a whistleblower complaint never gotten to Congress before?" He was like, "Might be. This whole thing is just so unprecedented." And you're like, "You're part of it. You know, right, you don't get right, to be right. like, this is crazy. You know." Right. <laughs> Did it seem like he? I mean, because I, I you know, at, at least at some level, Josh, your point and I guess his point is right that this is not. Um, it, it covers this situation, but this was not the hypothetical they had in, my, had in mind. As you say, it's it's, uh, and there is, you know, back a dozen years ago, actually during the Duke Cunningham thing, there were a whole series of scandals at that time that all turned on the fact that the intel budget is so cloaked that you can just you can just have all sorts of corruption and no one can look and get away with everything. Um, was he convincing at some level of sort of like this was? you know it was hard to know what to do kind of thing did he was he persuasive at any level he was persuasive in that he didn't know what to do uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, was, I was persuaded that that was his that, that was his assessment he yeah. kind of kept trying to lean on the white house or the executive privilege right. thing to sort of say like his hands are tied it's kind of like up to them and what you know what can he do right was that your yeah sense that was also my sense and i mean it's good the white house the office of the white house council did i mean lean on him pretty hard did yeah. did we know that there was Th- that that had actually been invoked, or was that only kind of suspected no, so up th- until now? That was new, yeah. Okay. I mean, we knew from some of their language that that was probably the case, but it wasn't for sure. Yeah. And he was asked on more than one occasion, McGuire, that is, have you talked to President Trump about this whole thing? And he, you know, in every case, declined to say whether he did, that those were privileged conversations and that, you know, the, any gen- any conversation he has with the president, he can't, I guess go into basically and I mean a lot of it goes specifically to the fact and we learned way more about this from the complaint this morning um, just that it was uh, not just a conversation involving Trump but between Trump and a foreign leader which is what you know I mean triggers all like a lot of these protections right yeah right right so uh, Kate what you were you I assume you were I'm you're probably working on other things but you were watching all this stuff this morning what is your what's your kind of global sense of where of what happened today and kind of where we are Okay, well, first of all, I'd just like to say that now having gotten a few of these hearings under my belt, at TPM specifically, just, it is the most ridiculous format 
just bar none. Like it's even if you know the stuff inside and out, it's so hard to follow because it's like five minutes of one person kind of hammering on this one line of questioning and it's switching over to someone else who's got different motivations and different interests. And you're just like, different I don't parties, yeah. exactly. And you're like, I don't even know who we're talking about anymore, you know? And I, so I don't even know how laymen watch these because we're eyeballs deep in it. And there were times where I was just like, oh my God. Luckily, I, luckily I don't think they do watch it. Yeah. They, wait yeah. the, they wait till the evening news or yeah, whatever. Yeah, sums you know. it up. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine that this moved the needle on anything that much. And I don't think... This that, testimony specifically. Right, yeah, and I don't yeah. think that it was really going to. Kind of from what I was seeing, Democrats were gonna hang next steps on this testimony to say you know trump is being obstructionist we tried we got him up in front of us i'm sure they will point to the fact that he wouldn't uh, talk about his conversations with trump as you know i don't know if they'll paint him as either complicit or hamstrung but either way i think as soon as they announce the inquiry that's the route that they were going to take he's also in front of the senate intel committee this afternoon behind closed doors so it's possible you know things will kind of drip out from that maybe in a more kind of I don't well, know, substantive it, way it seemed to me my sense at least like when this was I think this was the fact that this testimony would happen was I think announced Tuesday or maybe even wasn't it like last week I thought oh, was, it was it even last was it even last week maybe well I guess what originally seemed like this testimony would be a big deal is we didn't know we'd have the complaint and, or and, the transcript of the right. call right and so is so if if we still didn't have those then it would have been a much more sort of high stakes thing of them of, of them basically saying you have to right. and, and in a way yeah in a way we sort of have the source materials now when we didn't previously and it feels like Josh Kavensky I'm wondering if you have this sense it feels like the story in a way is going to shift more to how did the White House handle the complaint basically or how did the administration handle it because there's that explosive kind of paragraph this in the second yeah. section of the complaint that talks about these kind of extraordinary efforts to kind of bury that. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So, and I mean, there's two parts to that. So yeah, one is the extraordinary extraordinary efforts to bury evidence of what happened with Zelensky and what the White House basically did was they moved it to a different uh, server that was password protected, um, used typically, I think, to store like classified or national security sensitive Like covert operation. And like yeah. extremely classified. Extremely like a whole classic. other level of, yeah. Right. And so then there's also this paragraph towards the end of the uh, complaint, which says that um, it's not the first time in the Trump administration that this has been done. So it's just this is like maybe not a regular practice, but that it's happening. And and that yeah, and yeah. happening specifically for political Yeah, when yeah. people say, dude, that was a little fucked up. Let's let's take this <laughs> yeah, over to the, the classified. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. take this over to the deep freeze or yeah. something like that. I mean, I was struck, I mean the thing well, two things about about the complaint, and again, just so we can keep all this straight, there's the memo that people are calling a transcript, and that came out yesterday. We have the complaint that was released today, which which started this as, you know, kind of got the, got the ball rolling. And the thing that struck me about the complaint, sort of a, a, a twofold thing, one was that to a significant degree, it seemed like the, the efforts to lock it down are maybe what pushed the whistleblower kind of over the edge, because maybe you hear about this conversation and you're like, oh, that's, that really does not sound good. But in a way, the White House lawyers seemed to validate that it wasn't good because there was this effort to, to cover it up. And then the other thing, and just before we went on the air, uh, President Trump, I don't think it was a tweet, I think it was in some, you know, he was at some closed door event and he said this thing about, you know, the spies who kind of ratted me out and treason and sort of, you know, alluded to the fact that in, in the old days, you, spies got executed. Well, there's a lot of different 
things going on there. But what did strike me is there were several parts in the complaint where it's really clear that mainly on the national security policy people side, a lot of people are like, whoa, that was fucked up. And like, I'm kind of spooked that I'm near this. And they, and then on the other hand, you have the lawyers who are like, they know exactly what to do. They need to kind of make, make it go away. But it's clear those, those people who are spooked are talking to a lot of people and talk to this whistleblower. And there's various points where it's clear that the people who are in that tight group, who they try to keep these things to, knew more, you know, of at least a few of those people talk to this whistleblower about stuff multiple times. So President Trump has to be thinking like, wow, all the people around me, a lot of them started talking about this. And obviously anybody would be uncomfortable, but Trump. Didn't the whistleblower nuts. complaint mention there were about a dozen people on the call and this person wasn't sure whether there were any additional people in the room physically present while Trump was on the call? Yeah, that came up. Also, just that, you know, there was this effort to lock it down. But Josh, like, as you point out, they uh, after the call happened, there continued to be briefings within, like, the State Department and intelligence community about, like, the, the substance of the call, even though there was, like, a simultaneous recognition that it was, like, kind of horrible and unprecedented when it happened right, on it. Right, right, yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, it's weird reconciling those two things. I'm not sure how you do that. Yeah, I... I uh... Yeah, I'm not. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I mean, my read. I'm curious what you guys thought. My read, reading the complaint, was that this sounds like a sort of like a mid-level analyst type, in maybe in one of the intelligence bureaus in one of the departments. Like I thought of INR, because a lot of the stuff that was talked about uh, turned on State Department stuff. I mean, at the same time, that's kind of the the lane Rudy was going into, but. Um, I don't know. That was my sense. There was, and there was actually one point where it said, I'm not at the White House. Right. So it's interesting. In terms of the lane Rudy was going into, I mean, the complaint really... Going a lot of lanes. Yeah. But, I mean, the complaint really just like illustrates how he was like de facto trying to become like the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine. Yeah. Like I mean, he was just acting as this middleman. Like, and like, there's also this other point where these two State Department officials, it's... Um, so I think we talked about in the last podcast, Kurt Volker, the guy who like gave Rudy Giuliani... Uh, the number of like a Ukrainian official that he later pressured to like <laughs> um, dig up dirt on Biden and then are manufactured by Biden. And then also this other guy, Gordon Sonderland, who's the U.S. ambassador to the EU. Um, at some point, they like sit Rudy Giuliani down and basically give him this like talking to and they describe it as like an attempt to contain the damage to national security. Right. Yeah. I, I, it's funny. I saw that. I didn't. And, and I read it quick. I'm sure you're, you I just didn't pick that up. I didn't. I thought that reference to containing the damage was more sort of global, just kind of like they're trying to manage this. But I, but again, I'm sure no, that's, I, I'm sure that's yeah. there. I mean, there's also that, um, th- th- there's that other time where I think maybe just a day or two after the July 25th call, Volker and maybe that guy actually go to Kiev yeah, both of them, yeah. and, and they say kind of like, are, you know, kind of they, they like to navigate where it's really right. clear they're trying to help them. Like, right. we know you're hearing these totally a weird things and different things. And we're going to try to. But you also do- think like in their <laughs> position, I mean, they also had to like navigate, right? Like they had to deal with Giuliani, like who has direct access to Trump, just like kind of constantly interfering. So they had to keep him happy in a way and also like make sure that uh, contain the damage, I guess, in a sense. Well, I mean, what was, here's the question I have. What was. um 
you told us last week that it seemed like that the chain of events that got the State Department involved was the the people in Ukraine, in the Ukraine government, get spooked when Rudy starts like bad mouthing them publicly. Right. And then they reach out to the State Department contact and says, hey, can you can you set up something with Rudy? Because we're getting kind of freaked out here and we want to talk with him. Now, just this morning, Rudy is out there saying, you know, because I guess the State Department is saying, we didn't set up the meeting. And Rudy's now up there saying, like, I got the text, man. Good luck with that. Yeah. What's what's happened? Do you have a sense of what, so what like, the deal is there? The guy, uh, Yermak, gave this interview in, like, Russian where he said, like, I mean, he basically said exactly that. But um, they saw Rudy Giuliani talking about how, like, there were enemies of Trump in the new Ukrainian government. And they tried to clear it up. So they um, he went to Kurt Volker, got Giuliani's number. And uh, or maybe Kurt Volker gave Giuliani Yermak's number and they, they connected and talked on the phone and had this meeting in Madrid. Um, so the complaint doesn't really reveal anything that much that new on that score. It doesn't it doesn't establish a specific link between Volker, Giuliani and Giuliani meeting with Yermak in Madrid. Um, but I mean, other reporting has like our own and then also uh, the State Department at some point. It's weird. I mean, they've said that Giuliani does not act for the U.S. government, but in a separate statement, they also confirmed that. Volker gave the number mm-hmm. um, that Volker basically facilitated the meeting. Uh, so it, it, that element of it is still kind of a little bit murky, I think. Yeah. It, it does seem at least at least possible that you, you can kind of see between these different descriptions an overlap where Rudy's trying to say like, hey, State Department knew I'm a kind of a man of the world, you know, solving problems, <laughs> called me in. I was happy to help. Whereas the Volker people are like, we're trying to kind of keep, you know, keep things from going totally off the rails here. The people in Ukraine wanted to talk to Rudy for understandable reasons, and I kind of put them together. So you can kind of see how a common set of facts could lead to both descriptions, even though Rudy's description is a little more nice. <laughs> yeah, you kind of yeah. have to keep Trump happy on the one hand, and you have to sort of do your actual job in the service of the United States on the other hand. and. So That's not can't be easy. Yeah. <laughs> there's another great cameo in the um, complaint, which is John Solomon at the Hill, uh, which is like, but it raises this like fascinating question of like how this actually began, because like you have this like guy Yuri Lusenko, he's the former. He, at that time, he was basically the Attorney General of Ukraine, um, and he feeds all. He's he's trying. You know, he, he knows like Zelensky is about to get elected, um, and he's like trying really furiously to hold on to his job. So he's like feeding all of this information to John Solomon and Solomon like pub, you know, obviously just like publishes it. It's not clear how he got connected to these, this Ukrainian official and the others who are helping him out. Um, and like all those articles basically provide like the framework for the allegations that we're like kind of like dealing with today, which is like, you know, the Hunter Biden stuff, um, the DNC Ukraine collusion thing, and also like a separate thing involving the, the U S ambassador to Ukraine at the time, which isn't as important, but like still egregious. Um, anyway, so, so it, basically that guy ends up getting fired anyway, but like the allegations are like lodged in Giuliani's mind. And, like, then Zelensky takes power, there is a whole new team, and all of a sudden Zelensky has to deal with, like, basically John Solomon, like, propaganda that, like, filtered through Rudy Giuliani. Right, right, it's like right. Very, it's a really, I mean, and we don't know, like, the causation there, but it's, like, a really weird, like, sequence John, of events. John so. Solomon, is he still writing for The Hill? Or I thought something happened where he... Well, he what happened was, is he, Solomon has the most 
bizarre journalism career of anybody like in the universe. They brought him in a couple years ago at the Hill to be like, all right, we're going to get you. We're going to take it to the next level. He had a series of pieces that were like totally debunked. So their solution was to take him from the news side and he publishes on the opinion side. So he still publishes tons of stuff. You look closely, it's, it's published on the opinion side, which is sort of like, you know, I mean, you can't say, all right, he's a liar. So we're going to move him over to opinion. <laughs> yeah, problem solved there. Yeah, but he's still there. Okay. But I thought yeah. for some reason maybe he had departed, but yeah, I'm probably not totally pretty sure. Yeah, that. pretty sure he's still there. I mean, my sense is that it's more like Rudy finds out about this stuff. Who are we going to give it to? Give it to John Solomon. Yeah. And it's sort of like this, this feedback loop. I think something that interests me now is who is being set up to take the fall for all of this is it is it rudy is it you know uh trump has been like name dropping mike pence and being like See, you should check what he's talked to them about like it seems like trump is starting to uh fling the bodies of those near him under the bus there so. was sort of a telling line speaking of that yesterday when trump i was during his i think during his kind of brief appearance with Zelensky kind of at the UN there sort of official mm-hmm. meeting where someone asked was it appropriate for Rudy Giuliani to kind of get involved in this whole thing and I was Trump like, you asked Rudy Giuliani said you can ask Rudy and that's what he I mean that's sort of similar to what he said about Michael Cohen back in the you know with with the hush money payments and stuff so in a way that does seem like a tiny bit of of distancing from him well I mean it's almost shocking that Giuliani hasn't I don't know, taking the fall for anything yet. Like, he's so wildly out of control and, like, you know, does these TV appearances where that cause speculation of if he's under some kind of Yeah, it contradicts influence. himself, like, within the same <laughs> Yeah, there are people are like, is he drunk or is he just losing it? You know, which of those is better? But I can't imagine that Trump has any... I don't think Trump has really loyalty to many people, but I can't imagine that someone as like kind of ridiculous as Rudy is one to engender that. Well, the funny, Once he becomes yeah. unuseful, yeah, yeah, exactly. I think the funny thing is is that he's he has sort of taken the fall for lots of things over the last year. It just doesn't matter. Right. right. He just, you know, sort of like he goes under the bus and comes back out the other <laughs> side of the bus and he's back in the bus, right? Yeah. And so he's he's there was all the stuff where he got out ahead of the Michael Cohen right. stuff and all these different kind of things and uh, my sense is, I'm not even sure. I think you know, uh, uh, Trump is like a, you know, like an instinctive animal. There's just certain things where he's going to sort of hit people and pull everybody towards him. Like I saw that, like that Pence thing. I didn't think it was quite throwing him under the bus, but it's more kind of like you think I'm bad. Pence did it. You guys all think Pence is like squeaky clean. <laughs> right. Pence Pence thought it was great, so it must be so. Mm. So there's. At this, I, I think it's it's not it's not it's not sort of fully articulated. It's just sort of like I'm not. I'm not just the bad guy here. Do we think, do heads even need to roll? I mean, he obviously has like complete cover from his party. True. Every Republican senator, with the exception of Romney, who basically just says, you know, this this is concerning, but that's like the extent of it, has his back. And, you know, Jody Ernst, I think, was saying, or Joni Ernst was saying, you know, I I looked at it, I didn't see anything there. And so it's kind of like... Last night, though, Toomey and Sass both did do some Romney-flavored... This is deeply troubling. Yeah, even like Sass post Romney, maybe. Yeah, yeah. With Sass. Yeah, Sass. yeah, yeah. He said that Republicans what shouldn't be so fast to circle yeah, the wagons. Yeah, don't circle the wagons. This yeah. is so like some pretty 
but he likes to kind of flirt with that every once in a while. <laughs> That's and then, true. Well, it's it's more he does, but it's but his trajectory has been different recently. Mm-hmm. Like he used to be sort of like the, you know, the never Trump virtue signaler. Yeah. Right. Of kind the, of a of Jeff the, Flake. Yeah. So. Exactly. And then, and I, I guess this is what is he up for real? Is up for re-election in twenty twenty? Yeah, that sounds yeah. right. That, that he's kind of gone totally full Trump, and Trump actually gave him one of those my complete and un. Held back, whatever yeah. that is, non- nonsense. <laughs> that beautiful endorsement. Yeah, uh, thing. And, you know, that he had sort of made his, you know, kind of made his obeisance to Trump. So it, it kind of used to be his brand, but it was sort of kind of like people shouldn't be like circling the wagons here. There's a lot of stuff in here that's really not good. So and there was one uh, Republican during the hearing today, a, a congressman who said, I forget his name, starts with a T. Maybe you guys can fill it in for me, but began his kind of exchange or moment by saying, you know, the conversation is not good. I want to tell the president this does not look good. But then he kind of shifted to just attacking Schiff, attacking the whistleblowers. It was kind of like, all right, I don't even, I don't know if that even counts for much. (laughs) Well, that is kind of the thing you kind of, on the one hand, you want to kind of hit that key, but then you like, it's not good, but like, I still got to attack Adam Schiff (laughs) sort of, sort of thing. I, I do think it's, I think one of the big questions of the next three or four days is whether they start to coalesce. It's not like anybody's jump, like jumping ship, but there's a lot of people you hear about like up on the hill or kind of getting mad and running away when they're asked a question or these things sort of like, yeah, it sucks, but Biden's like, it's not like it's, it's not like it's been for the last year and a half or so. It's, it's different. And, And I think that, um, I, I I certainly think it would be helpful if there was a it would be helpful for them if there was a guy where you say like, Man, this is just Rudy went rogue. I don't know what happened to him, but that's that's screwed up and Rudy's gotta go. But clearly there's I mean yeah. I mean the central thing is Trump right. talking. So you know, they can sort of like just for kicks light a few guys on fire, but it's not going to unsay what Trump said. I think it just it maybe felt a little bit different after the unanimous resolution kind of felt a little bit like, oh, you know, I was off shift by that point and I saw that tweet and I was like, that that can't be right. You know, what is Mitch McConnell playing at here? And that resolution was in to have the complaint sent to Congress. Is that right? Right. Yeah. So and it's also a non a non-binding resolution. I'm not saying that they're casting their impeachment votes or whatever, but it's like you know, that's it's a, a, it's a display statement. of something. Yeah, there's never, you know? there's never unanimity, unanimity in anything right. these days. Yeah. Well, there also, there, I guess it didn't happen because all these things were just released, so it became moot. But I think there was that thing yesterday where, where Trump, he he was going to make a big announcement, and he said, "I've empowered Kevin McCarthy to like you know have transparency for Biden." And I was sort of like, "What? What is he talking about?" That was like, uh, but I think that was that they were giving them a free vote like there was going to be a vote in the house that was i guess for the for the for the complaint um and i think what was really going on there is that clearly the house leadership said we're not going to be able to hold the caucus together on this so why don't you just invite everybody to vote for it to come out because otherwise it's going to be embarrassing right, right. Mm. maybe so, in, maybe sorry go ahead josh oh yeah just that like one thing so i mean i think there are other people they could throw under the bus too, which would be the whistleblower himself. <laughs> and uh, so, one thing that just came out is um, New York Times just reported that it's a CIA officer who was like detailed to the White House, 
male. They didn't. They don't have. Interesting. A name. They don't have a name in the story. Interesting. But yeah, but it, and they. I think they also suggest in the piece uh, that it's somebody. I mean, you can tell us reading the complaint with like basically experience working in Eastern Europe. Yeah, that that, I mean, was, that was the other thing that came out. I mean, that had some pretty yeah. nuanced take about. I mean, you have. I mean, I. I I don't like to joke about this, but like, there, in my defense, there's several people involved in this that don't just have Ukrainian names that I'm a little unfamiliar <laughs> with. They're actually fairly similar as as names, and they're hard to. The naming conventions are really like really really similar. Yeah. <laughs> in any in any case, um, yeah, it did seem like there was that the second half of the complaint yeah. was getting into some pretty deep nuances of who the different players are and and and, yeah. and stuff like that. Interesting. So wh- where do you? Uh, kind of usurping your role, David, I apologize. Uh, Where do we think this is going over the next few days? Well, it seems to me that there won't be that much time passing before we find out this whistleblower's identity, basically, right? I mean, especially if there's some way that Trump or his people can discredit this person, say he's like a registered Democrat, or I don't know, something that comes out, like, you know that he's going to, that name will be out there. There is in, in, in in the Inspector General's report, he says that he found he basically yeah, seemed to say it sounds like the guy's probably a democrat but he also says he doesn't think it affected right, you know he still thinks right. it's legit but there is it was something, something there the phrasing was something like minor indicia of like partisan leaning or something yeah, something so kind of weird like that yeah right. exactly and i suspect that is what that trickled that line trickled right. back to the white house and that yeah. was why it's a democratic partisan right and, and stuff they're like doing that. with his lawyer because his lawyer because like donated some like basically measly amount to biden Okay. And they're already, they're already like using that line. I mean, it wouldn't matter like, though. I mean, we had Mueller, the lifelong yeah. Republican, who <laughs> right, was like right. the angry Democrat. Yeah. Well, also the guy who who was was Trump's like enforcer during the Mueller probe in the in the White House Counsel's office. And the guy's name escapes me at the moment. He worked for Clinton during impeachment. So I mean, you know, we're all sort of like, yeah. There's all we're so you know our normal state is gaslighting lawyers work for lots of people <laughs> right. it really doesn't matter well, right? i know the whistleblower is uh, supposed to talk to congress right or is kind of working yeah, out a working out a deal to do that yeah there's a whole like separate legal issue around that like he needs like basically receive guidance from the dni and that's being blocked by the white house um, and just like yeah. like about- labor like legal protections for his job mm-hmm. basically right isn't there yeah. kind of i mean just workplace kind of well because if you're a hey, officer you can't just like disclose classified information and so right. you need, you need a direction from DNI on how to do that, and supposedly the White House is blocking them from giving that direction. Well, and also, I mean, I assume he's an analyst, so he doesn't have, uh, you know, the kind of the, the deep cover issues. But you also can't just be public. You know, there's no directory of people who work at the CIA. Right. I mean, I do wonder though that for all the protections, I think we are at a level here where. Like, if you lead to sort of like a massive story with global implications, I mean, I don't think Trump's going to be driven from office, but I, w- I do think he'll be impeached. Hey, it's just a little hard to go back. Let me just steal my desk job here. No one knows who I am. That's just not. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't seem realistic. And that, if he does talk to Congress, that's almost certainly behind closed doors, right? Is there any, any way that we see this person in public? Not in, not as until he decides to become public. I mean, not even just closed doors, but, you know, we have all those closed door meetings where you see, like, Michael Cohen, like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> Heading to my closed door. More like a skiff kind of thing. Or yeah, some, or something where they bring him in and, you know, it's going to have to be pretty tight. Black fan, yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. if the Times already has these biographical details, though, it's, I mean, it's a matter of time. Yeah. John Solomon's next scoop. Sco- <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> On the opinion even, side. Even if you, think, if you think about it, all right, CIA... Yeah. You know, Eastern Europe, Eurasia, 
you know, kind of whatever, tasked to the White House, that is probably only half a dozen people. So those in, those pieces of information, I think, pretty much already tell the story of who the person is. Right. Okay, I guess Great. I got to talk about Grady. Wait, did I not talk about Grady's? We were so... <laughs> we're just in the zone. This what was so say? hard. This is such a hardcore news day. I didn't talk about Grady's cold brew iced coffee. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the whole thing. You know, uh, I just got to mix this up a bit. You know, the big story now is that uh, Grady's is shipping everywhere in the United States. So you can get it uh, everywhere which is totally odd. Is that what it says? Yeah, uh, nationwide. I was, I was sitting here because I knew from having read this several times that Grady's is now shipping everywhere in the United States. And I'm kind of like talking and like trying to read the copy out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, wait a second. I don't see where it says everywhere in the United States, but it says nationwide. So I'm totally good on that. Uh, and Grady's is great. You know they are our sponsor. And you can have, you have the 32-ounce bottles. You have the 42-serving uh, bag in a box. You have the individual single-serve bottles. You can drink it with milk. You can spike it and make a, a, a cocktail. You can even drink it straight. Uh, Grady's is brewed and bottled daily at their brewery in the Bronx. So bottles ship cold for peak freshness. If you're ready to give it a try, get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. And also remember to subscribe to TPM. Subscribe to Prime. Uh, We are in the midst of our big membership drive here at TPM. Uh, we actually recorded a podcast episode about it, which... which Should come out soon. Y- yeah. Maybe we're early kinda, next week. Y- okay. May, may have been a little delayed, but we already uh, already recorded it with uh, Kate and David. So yeah, it's really important. And if you like this podcast, certainly if you read TPM, join us. It's really important for what we do. And I think uh, that is about it. Unless it. Uh, Trump is, is hauled <laughs> off in handcuffs <laughs> tomorrow. Otherwise, we will, we will talk to you next week. Right. Later. Well, thanks, Bye, everyone. Guys.